Hey gang, so it's Christmas time right now, at least for me when I'm recording this. And for me and my family, that means doing all of our favorite traditions. Just to warn you, we have a lot of them. And I bet you do too. So I was thinking recently about what makes traditions work and not work. This is so important to understand because traditions are happening in your houses, in your office, at your church, and probably with the women you lead around you too. So today, let's figure out what traditions are, what makes them special, what kills them, and what to do with your Christmas traditions so that they do what you want them to do this Christmas. Let's do this. You're listening to Women Speaking Truth, a podcast that inspires women to know God deeper and equips them to take the next step in their God-given callings. My name is Andy Bruce, and I'm so passionate about helping women develop their character and understand their callings that I went out and got a doctorate degree in leadership. Now I'm sharing practical tools about leadership development through a biblical lens so that God can empower and ignite ordinary women like you and I to make his impact on our world. So let's talk specifics for a minute so that we're all on the same page. Let's clarify what I mean when I say traditions, because it's really easy to think traditions are what you do regularly. But that's not quite right, or at least that's not quite what I'm referring to. So let's get down to it with a one-minute breakdown of three things, the difference between habits, customs, and traditions. We all do repeated activities every day, right? Like for me, Monday through Friday, I make coffee every morning. This is an activity, oh gosh, that I genuinely enjoy. And each night when I'm cleaning up my coffee pot and getting it ready for the morning, I'm pretty psyched about making coffee the next morning. That would be one example. So kind of put that to the left. And now let's talk about on the right. So let's talk about spending time with God. That's an activity probably just like you, I strive to do every day. Now, sometimes I don't do it, but in general, I make time and I do something specific to know God more and to be with him and really for my heart to just know God every day for a little bit of time. These types of daily things are not what we're talking about when we're talking about traditions. Nope. These daily practices, they're not traditions, they're habits, or some would say routines, but that's a different, uh, that's a different thingy. Now let's talk about customs. Customs are typically tied into the expected behavior of a group of people. So let's get specific about this. For example, in America, it's our custom to shake hands when we meet someone. It's our custom to take off your hat when we sing the national anthem at a ball game. It's a custom, or at least it used to be, for men to open the door for a woman. Kind of slip in these days, but in general, these are customs. Okay, so we talked about habits or routines, the things that we do purposefully every day, but those aren't traditions. We've talked about customs, totally different. Those are the expectations of the behavior of a group of people. Now let's get specific on what I'm talking about with habits. Habits are what we do every day. No, they're not. Yes, they are, Andy. Get on board with the conversation today, Andy. Okay, hello. 
let's try this conversation again. Habits are what we do every day or most days. Customs are the expected behaviors of a group of people. Now let's talk about traditions. We generally think of traditions as the things we do during holidays. Easy place to start, right? So for example, pick a tradition in the month of November that you know you're gonna do last, uh, that you know you're gonna do next November. Have it in your mind? Of course, I bet we're all thinking the same thing. Next November, we're gonna have another turkey on the Thanksgiving table because that's what we do. So we all have turkey on Thanksgiving in America. This is a perfect example of a tradition. Now think about something in December. What's a tradition that you did this month and you know you're gonna do it next month? Okay, for me, it was put up our Christmas tree in our living room. This is a tradition because it's annual, it's happened for who knows how long, we know everybody does it, and we know we're gonna do it next year too. Boom, that is a tradition. And this is what's really amazing about traditions is think of all that we just said. We know it, it's going to happen already next year. This is why I love traditions is because they take the decision-making power or for some of us like me, the conundrum out of the equation. My traditions for this year were already planned three years ago because that's the beauty of traditions. You don't have to start with the drawing board. That's for a different thing. Uh, like that's for new initiatives, that's for brainstorming, that's when you get the whiteboard out. Traditions are different. They're what you've done, but you're doing them with a purpose. So that's what traditions are. Traditionally, traditions are practices that will be handed down for generations. That's the beauty of it. For example, my daughter Jayla, she was already talking this Christmas when we were at Target in the Christmas section. She's like, Mom, when I'm older, I'm going to have a green Christmas tree that's got like the white snow on it, and I'm going to have these kind of ornaments. That's the beauty of our tradition is because it's impactful, meaningful, and expected, she already foresees her own Christmas tree in 10 more years. This is why we're talking about traditions, is they're that transcendental. They, you don't have to teach Jayla. Nobody has to sit her down and be like, Jayla, one day you're gonna have to get a Christmas tree. Where are you gonna buy it? What are you gonna put on it? Where are you gonna put it? No way. That's what traditions do, is they forward think the participants so that they can already imagine them doing it next year. This is for leaders a dream come true. So let's get really specific for leaders what we mean by traditions because what we don't probably mean is the holiday things like a Christmas tree and a turkey. Instead, for leaders in this conversation, let me push a pause button one more time. When I, whenever you hear me personally on this podcast refer to leaders, I'm referring to probably women Okay, although I know my dad and my dad-in-law listened to this, so hi dad and hi papa. But I'm referring to women who raise their hands to Jesus saying, I will say yes as best as I can, as fast as I can, because I want your kingdom to come through me. My friends, if that's not a leader, I don't know what is. Because think about it, so many women are like, no, I'm not a leader, I'm not a leader, I hate the lead word. 
okay, put that, uh, by the way, I do kind of resonate with you, but put that insecurity, because that's all that is, aside. And think instead of a leader when God's like, I'm going to choose you to do something through so that my kingdom comes through your life. A leader is simply a change agent, right? Or a way to help other people focus on what's important. My friends, if this isn't leadership, I don't know what is, honestly. So I would just encourage you, if you're like so avoidant of the word leader, you're playing semantics because if we replaced it with the word disciple, you'd be like, yes, that's me. Uh, it, this is a semantics thing. So FYI, when I say the word leader, I'm talking to you, the woman who's like, God, use me. If you want me to do it, just tap me on the shoulder and my answer will be yes, as best as I can, as quickly as I can, because I want your kingdom to come through my life and I want your will be, will be to, uh, my friends, I want your will to be done in my life. Use me and God will. God will change not just you, but those around you because of your decision to say yes. That is 100% a leader. So that's what we're talking about. So now let's take this idea of traditions and take them way down to this kind of macro level because we're going to take them out of this big picture arena of Christmas trees and turkeys and talk about how does this idea merge with leaders. For leaders, traditions are way more than just something to do that may or may not be handed down in a generation or two. Traditions are the intentional things that you do that change the culture for the better and get you where you want to go. That is what a tradition is for a leader. Traditions are the repeated things that you do with special effort to get you where you want to go and you become more like Jesus along the way. So remember, these aren't habits. These aren't routines. These are very intentional settings, intentional parties, gatherings, events, um, conversations that maybe you have with the important people in your life that you know we need to have this conversation yearly. These are traditions. And when traditions happen, the people around you are more focused on the vision. They're more like Christ. And there's this um, injection of momentum that's not just excitement. It's like, oh, we can do this. We were meant for this. This is why traditions are really important. So let's talk about the traditions that you probably are going to be doing this month and why and how this conversation can help you, I hope, make the traditions that you're going to do better. So those reasons are exactly why I go bananas for traditions. I just love them because they cover all the bases. They cover what we're going to do, why we're going to do it, who we're going to become along the way, and it's going to push us toward the goal of knowing God and his will being done way faster than if we didn't do the tradition. So I'm going to move out of like leader role and into family because the traditions I'm going to be talking about are all about our family. Andy and I really, 
actually our whole family really loves our traditions because of a couple reasons. Number one, they're ours. Uh, these are generated basically by us. And whenever there's ownership of the tradition, it's like aces. It's going to work because nobody told you to do it. It's what your people decided they wanted to do. Andy and I know something that really is important for traditions. Here's what I mean. You have to understand where your group, for me, my family, is going and who we want them to become in order for the tradition to be successful. Let me explain what I mean. For Andy and I, speaking of our family, we know exactly what we want our family to be. We know exactly. If you asked us, we wrote this down years ago. We desire a family that's two things. One, Christ-centered. We want Jesus to just be at the center meaningfully of everything we do. We want our kids to feel like, oh, our parents just love God. And we do too, because we've seen the fruit and the effect of it. And we know we want our kids to love God and have this as their own value in their own families one day where they will want, we pray and hope, their kids to love God. And they're going to, we hope, marry spouses that love Jesus. This is what we want for our family, is a family that's Christ-centered. And the second thing we want for our family is we want our family to love being together. So that's why these traditions really matter because creating really fun, crazy, memorable opportunities is what makes us want to be together is let's face it. I've got teenagers. Boring doesn't cut this. Uh, we need fun, engaging things. And that's why we get all jazzed up around Christmas time because we want to implement these intentional practices that bring our family together to create memories so that there could be lots of laughter, so that we have stories that we're going to be telling for years. So for us, it's not really about the traditions in and of themselves. It's everything to do with what the traditions do to push our family toward being a family that is Christ-centered and loves to be together. So let's talk about traditions. The things that you and I intentionally do with a group of people so that it pushes us toward our objective and we're better people. In other words, we love Jesus more along the way. So how do you make your traditions work? Okay, so I'm going to start this little section of what we're going to talk about, assuming that you already have some traditions at hand. But if you don't, don't worry, we're going to get there in just a minute. So if you already have traditions, how do you make them work? Number one, get them on the calendar. They're only traditions if they happen regularly. If you could count on them last year and this year and again next year, boom, that is a tradition. So get them on the calendar. And remember, these traditions that you have, they don't have to be these huge, drawn out, elaborate, like really complicated events. Nope. As long as they happen meaningfully for the people who do them, it's, it, that's the recipe for a tradition. Number two, make the tradition reflective of your family. You guys, this one's huge. My traditions that my family has probably won't work for your family. Want to know why? Because they were created by my family, so they reflect my family. 
Don't make the mistake of losing who you are and who your family or whoever you're wanting tradition for by expecting other people's traditions to work for you. So I remember (laughs) when Andy and I were first married, remember if you're married, those first couple years of having two different, very different families, it's like it it's a wake up call. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but you realize that your way of family isn't the only way. And somebody else has a different way of doing family. And for me, it's not that they collided. They didn't. It was just like, whoa, we do things really differently. My husband's family is all about quality time together. It is the top of their priority list. Now, Nobody has ever said that over the years. No one. I've never once heard one of Andy's family members be like, the thing we value the most is quality time together. Nope, never happened. But I'll tell you, (laughs) the thing they value the most is significant, meaningful, fun, quality time together. Because it's what's reflected in everything they slash we do. Everything is about quality, meaningful time being together. Okay, so my family, my family of origin, nope, not that, not quality time being together. My family really, really valued two things. A lot of ruckus fun, like loud, ruckusy, loud fun. And the second thing we value is the more the merrier. So uh, when I was observing Andy's family having this meaningful quality time together, that was, it was good quality, fun, um, enjoyable time that often happened around board games. So I had this, what I felt like was a brilliant idea to transfer that tradition from my husband's family of being around board games and really enjoying it and having laughs and eventually some inside jokes and, oh, we always played this game. I wanted to transfer that because I liked the experience of that tradition. Um, And I wanted to transfer the experience to my family. Here's the problem. My family values different things. We don't value like long quality time. Nope. We get in, it's loud. There's a bunch of people there and then it's done. So here I am, um, probably our fourth year of marriage on Christmas day after everybody finished opening the presents, I said, Hey, you guys, let's play a board game. I think everybody went cross-eyed in the room because it was like, we don't play board games. And I said, come on, you guys, like, let's hear it. I brought some games. Come on, let's do this one. Nobody moved, not a muscle. No, everybody was listening. I was being heard. I was being looked at. Nobody cared. Why? Uh, so I think I forced a couple people, my mom, maybe my dad. I don't know. I don't know. Andy, to play a board game, I've got to say it did not go well. The reason it didn't go well is because I attempted to transfer a different family's tradition into my family. And the problem was we value different things. We're going to talk about this in just a moment. So, but for now, the way to make a family tradition work 
is not to make the mistake of losing who you are by expecting another family or somebody else's traditions to work for you. They might, but I'm telling you they might not. So one other, gosh, this one is so important. A way to make your tradition work is by telling stories about the traditions. So let's unpack this a little bit. The reason that you don't want to just have traditions, you want meaningful experiences that are the tradition, that go with the tradition. You don't want to just do something every year because it's like, I don't know, makes you have less mom guilt or I don't know, nobody is looking for more to do. Instead, everybody, everybody wants a meaningful experience and that's what you want your tradition to be, right? One way to do that, I would say a primary way to do that is a couple things. Tell stories about what happened last time or one time in the past and tell that story. You're going to roll your eyes eventually because you're like, oh my goodness, we've told that story. Who knows how many times? Everybody knows the story. But you know what? If we're still laughing, tell the story again. Don't tell it too often. But before the tradition is going to happen this year, tell the story of what happened when it went wrong and everybody laughed or what happened or the surprise that happened or the dog got into the whatever. Tell the story because what that does is it connects our brains to something meaningful that's already happened and in this really cool instinctual way, it makes us want to practice the tradition now. The more we reflect on something good that's happened or something that made us laugh or something surprising or something crazy and unexpected that happened, the more we reflect on what has happened in the past, it makes us want to recreate the memory in the present. So the best thing that you could do, and you got to do this off the cuff, especially for me as a mom of, uh, I've got two teenagers and a tween boy. I can't put all my cards out. No way. Instead, it's going to be so subtle. I'd be like, oh my gosh, you guys remember the last, <laughs> it makes me laugh even thinking of it. Okay. So we have this tradition every year we get in vehicles with Andy's family and friends and whoever else. And, and of course, all of our family, we put on Christmas carols for us. Traditionally, we've always gone to Dairy Queen or McDonald's and gotten like a milkshake. And for about two hours on usually a Thursday night or a Friday night when everybody's schedule is clear, we drive around our region looking at the same Christmas lights on the same houses. But you know what? We absolutely love it. Because remember, for me, my family is, it's Christ-centered. So how do you think I'm going to do that? I'm not going to do it overtly. It doesn't need to be over, over, but we're going to have Christmas music that is about Jesus coming. It's going to be subtle. It doesn't all have to be out there and in your face and extreme. Nope. This one is way more about just having a fun experience and my kids wanting to be with the family. That's what we're after. So we drive around, we have like the same, literally the same houses. Nothing's changed by the way on these houses. It's like, 
<laughs> it's like we're in a time warp. We're looking at the Christmas lights on the house. They look the same as they did last year and the year before and the year before. But we love to do it and it doesn't feel like Christmas if we don't do this tradition. So we're all in houses. We all have something cold like a milkshakey thing that we're eating. We've got Christmas music going and we're the same thing is happening in the car. Make sure, when are we going to go see the penguin house? Oh, when are we going to go see, wait, we're not going to go see that one where there's the Santa sleigh on the roof? What? And because they own the tradition. And when that happens, you don't really want it to veer or to change that much as far as what the activity is. Okay. So we always get to this, it's this park it's in a little city, I mean a little, called Bedford. And <laughs> these decorations are not, we're from the West Coast where you do everything big and with a big budget. This is the opposite of that. And so they have on this hillside the 12 days of Christmas kind of lit up like there's the number one with whatever the picture is that goes with the first day of Christmas. My true love gave to me uh, something in a pear tree whatever that is. And we always stop. Nowadays, we get out of the vehicle and we find the lyrics on our phone, but we're looking at the 12 days laid out and we holler this song kind of as loud as we can all together. And it's just fun and it's funny. And last time somebody was hanging out a window. And so my kids have already been like, yeah, remember last time we did that? Mom, are you going to make us sing the 12 days of Christmas? Please don't, Mom. Ah, I do not want to do this. Okay, so they're all complaining with the biggest grin on their faces. That's part of the tradition is they complain about this. But it's the thing that we tell stories about. And they're like, Mom, remember, wait, was it last year or the year before where somebody had their head out? And somebody was doing this and that, let them tell the story. And then I'll always say this question, you guys, we've done that for years. Why do you think that is so special to us? And there's not a set answer to that at all. Like not even a little bit, but posing the question so that at least they get a chance to say it. Jayla will say it's because we've always done that. It's not Christmas. It doesn't feel like Christmas if we don't go do that. Uh, Jeremiah will say, I just like the milkshake. That's fine. That's totally fine because you know what? He's ready and planning and waiting for that tradition to happen this year. And then when we're done wrapping up or even the next day, I'll be like, okay, you guys, what was your favorite part of driving around town for two hours looking at the lights and letting them reflect on the tradition just by saying what their favorite part is. By the way, here's a really cool one. Uh, you probably already know it, but it's new to me, a way to reflect. Of course, you know, highs and lows. Basically, that means what's your favorite thing about what we just did and your least favorite thing. But uh, somebody recently said highs, lows, and buffaloes. And you guys, I love this because the high, of course, is your favorite thing. The low is your least favorite thing. And the buffalo was the craziest or the weirdest or the most awkward part of whatever you just did. So I'll say, okay, you guys, highs, lows. This year I'm going to do highs, lows, buffaloes. And everybody just reflects for five minutes on why was that special. 
And whenever we're remembering what was, we want to recreate it if it was something meaningful. So this is absolutely how to make your traditions work. And by the way, just a tidbit, this is called narrative leadership. So if you look in academic curricula, there's of course different kinds of leadership, blah, blah, blah. But this one would be called narrative leadership. And what that means is you're telling the stories that matter to help the people around you reflect on what really matters to them as a way of pushing the mission forward. So narrative leadership, just in a nutshell, it's the, this idea of telling the right stories, the ones that are meaningful, the ones where it's like um, at, our, at Blue Ridge, the church that I attend, this is what we do. We tell the same stories those story, because they reflect the values of who we are becoming and who we want to become. This is narrative leadership. So what that looks like is we're literally telling stories about people coming to Christ because that reflects what matters. We're telling the story of our pastor founding our church and doing so using experimentation of like, hey, this isn't working, that's not working, to drive in people who are unreached. Um, so these simply reflect what matters. People coming to Christ and doing things in a, quote, non-traditional way, that is narrative leadership. And the beauty of it is it's so easy because these stories are sticky we want to rehear the stories because they ignite something in our heart of like, oh, that's right. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's what, where we're going. Narrative leadership, use it in your traditions. You'll be so glad you did. The way that I do that is like, oh my gosh, you guys, wait, what happened last year? What do you guys remember from last year? Reflect, which makes us want to experience now. And then afterward, ask a question like, Okay, what was your favorite part? What was your least favorite part? For me, I'm going to ask, what's your highs, lows, and buffaloes? Okay, a couple things. If you want to kill a tradition, because we just talked about what makes traditions work, right? Now let's talk about what do you not do with traditions because it's going to kill them. If you want to kill a tradition, here's what you need to do. Be super negative. Complain. Embarrass people. Uh, I'm literally telling this to myself because my kids are at that age where they're young teenagers and I'm having to be like, no, I, you know, when they're little, you could tell stories because they're kind of unaware. My kids are not that age. So the way that I can kill a tradition is embarrass my daughter. It will hurt her feelings. I will kill a family tradition by me complaining or here's another way, overcrowding our calendar and thereby over planning or under planning the tradition. Here's what I mean. Traditions, by the way, are rather simple. So keep it simple. Adding too many things to the tradition is gonna crowd out the tradition. Uh, it, it just will happen. If you plan too much, you're gonna lose the essence of what really matters and what people have been waiting all year for. So don't overcrowd, but remember you've got to plan, get it on the calendar and make the thing happen in a way that's going to be meaningful. Uh, here's another way to kill a tradition that's meaningful. Do it all the time. 
do it all the time. That's a surefire way to kill a meaningful tradition. Okay, so let's say you did something and it really worked great and everybody loved it and it was so meaningful and people are already talking about, I can't wait to do this again next time. This is a win. Your tradition is a win. You want to know how to kill the magic in that tradition? By doing it too often. Don't do the good stuff too often. Nope. Because then it loses the magic. It loses the sizzle. And then the one thing that was so special, you overdo. And suddenly it's like, we have to do that again. Space it out. Yearly is really great. So let's talk for a minute about, so say you don't have traditions that come to your mind. Yeah, how do you start them? That's a really good question. First, the first way to start a tradition is ask, what do we want to be? What does my team want to be? What does my family want to be? What is the office, whatever, whoever you're talking about, the women that you lead, what do we want to be? This is a really important question when it comes to tradition. We, so for me, let's stick to just this idea of family. I already told you, we want to be a family who's Christ-centered and who we want to be together. That's what Andy and I just have our eyes on. But say, let's just talk about some brainstorming of what the answers to that question could be. So say this is you. We want to be a family who has adventures. Okay. Maybe somebody else would say, we want to be a family who has more meaningful moments. Okay. We want to be a family that, man, we just have fun. The family I grew up in, this was our value. We want to be a family where anyone is welcome. See how the answer to this question is going to change what you do? Because if I want to be a family where anyone is welcome, that might be really different to a fam- that compared to a family that they value adventures. Because maybe their adventure is whitewater rafting. And for me, in my family of origin, you can't just invite 20 people to whitewater raft super easy because it's expensive, it's time consuming, it takes incredible amounts of planning. Those don't go together. So however you're gonna answer the question of who do we want to be, it has everything to do about how you start traditions and especially making your traditions last because they're meaningful and they work. The second thing that you want to do is say, okay, not only who do we want to be, but if that's who we want to be, then what kind of things does that family do to be that? So let me give you some examples. If we want to be a family where everyone is welcome, that's how I grew up. My mom would come home with tons of food or pick up the phone and order pizza And she'd be like, okay, guys, who's coming over tonight? Or, hey, we're doing this on Friday night. Invite whomever you want to be there. Now, this is how you enact that because that was the value or that's what she wanted. She wanted a house where everybody was so welcome. And when they walked in the door, they felt like family. So there's also a couple things to think about this. Not only do you want to ask, what do we want to be? The second thing you need to ask is, what matters most to my family or my office or my team or whomever you're 
thinking of this through. Notice I didn't say what matters most to you or even ideally, who do you guys want to become? Nope. Those couple questions, when you put a filter of like, oh, who are we trying to become or what do I wish we valued? Uh-uh. That's going to derail your traditions. Instead, ask yourself, what do I think my family values the most? And when you can answer that, boom, you can get some traditions flowing. Let me give you some examples. Maybe your family is all about serving others. And this really resonates with you guys because you can identify it based on evidence. Maybe you guys have collected money for Isaiah's house and done some yard sales or lemonade stands. Or maybe you guys go and give stuff to Agape Center or whatever nonprofits are around you. You and your family already have a history of loving, giving, serving. Then guess what? Build on that. Build on the compassion that God's already implemented into your family. And think about traditions that bless other people. How cool is that? So see how the tradition matches the value. Let me give you another example. Maybe your family is all about finding a new place to go because you guys just love new places and new experiences and traveling. Well, how cool would it be to discover a new place or even use an old place that you guys just have had incredible memories with, or you're looking for like, no, we want to leave that for summer memories at the beach. Well, then don't go to the beach. Let that be just a summertime thing so that you don't overuse that meaningful experience. Instead, find a cabin that's local. And that might be, so don't go into something brand new thinking, oh, this is going to be our tradition. Nope. Wait until the end of the experience and then decide. And here's how you're going to decide. If you're hearing stories repeated from the people that participated in the, the experience and you feel like that experience, one, is doing what we want it to do and two, matches the values of who we are, then boom, sign up for, book it for next year because that's going to become or can be your new tradition as a family. Another way to think about it is like for us, I've already mentioned that my family is all about Christ-centered family where we love being together. That's what we want. Here's the thing. We're also really big on our neighbors and friendships. So some of our traditions are just for our family, but some of them are, and kind of the ones we love the most, are totally encapsulate not just our family, but our family expressing relationships through our neighbors and some family friends. So for example, my son said, um, my youngest son, Jonah said, uh, probably a month ago, and he said it a couple times, which is what caught my attention. Mom, I think this Christmas we need to have gingerbread houses. Mom, this Christmas, can we do something with gingerbreads? Mom, let's do a competition. And I'm like, okay, so this is really interesting. I'm looking for ways to create engagement where my family wants to be together in a way that's going to tell stories and have energy. And because we really value relationships and friendships with other people, guess what? For me, this is the kind of tradition where I don't want it to just be our family because I feel like it's going to be more meaningful, more engaging, more fun 
and something we're going to want to do if we bring other people into it, like our neighbors, like our friend, our family friendships. So a few nights ago, we had our first annual gingerbread decorating contest. And it was super, well, I wouldn't say it was super easy. It was crazy messy. But my mom-in-law brought gingerbread men. I brought graham crackers and appetizers and table decorations, and I hosted the thing. My neighbor brought frosting for an army. Not just cookie frosting that kind of like spreads out, but molding, like structure frosting. So she had to make that at home and bring it. Then my best friend's family, they brought appetizers and decorations for the things. You guys, I got multiple texts that night and the day after and conversations after where people, my neighbor said, we're still talking about how much fun we had at your house last night. We're still talking about it. We're still talking about it. And I'm like, so are we, we had a blast. And here's how I know it's a tradition. First of all, every family unit that was there was like, oh my gosh, next year we're going to X, Y, Z. And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. It's a tradition. Second, I'm taking the event and placing it against the backdrop of our values. Does it match our values? Yep. It's all about relationships, having the best time as a family together with Jesus in the center. Totally. And then third, I'm looking at who do we want to be? We want to have kids who grow up and are like, we love God and we really love other people. This checks all the boxes. That's how we know that things can start to be traditions is one, we ask, who do we want to be? And two, we ask what matters most to our family. And then we start to think, well, what matches those? And then we don't go into it saying, oh, here's our tradition. We wait until afterward to hear, are there stories about it? Do we want to do it again? And you'll hear people say, next year, let's do this. Next year, next time. Oh my goodness. Here's what people want to be part of it. They want it as their tradition. Okay, you guys, as you guys are doing your Christmas traditions, I hope that this gives you some energy, some vision for it, some hopefully practical ways of knowing how to go into not just an event, but a way that makes it really meaningful for the people around you. Ask the questions. Um, look at how the thing matches your values and ask people. So like, why was that meaningful for you? Uh, how do you feel like this can be used? Do you see yourself doing this again? Those are the kind of things that get people reflecting. And whenever we can reflect, it enhances the meaningfulness of the thing. So let's have some awesome traditions.